0: Chapter Five of A Handful of Stars: Texts That Have Moved Great Minds, by Frank W. borum This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tim Bower. Chapter Five, Ebenezer Erskine's Text. It is a lovely Sunday afternoon in the early summer of the year 1690. The graceful and heatherly path that winds its way along the banks of the Tweed. From the stately ruins of Melrose to the crumbling gables of Dryburgh is in its glory. The wooded tract by the waterside is luxuriating in bright sunshine, glowing colors, and soft shadows. We are traversing one of the most charming and romantic districts that even Scotland can present. Here every field has its battle, every rivulet its song. More than a century hence, this historic neighbourhood is destined to furnish the home and fire the fancy of sir walter scott and here beneath the vaulted aisle of dryburgh's ancient abbey he will find his last resting-place but that time is not yet even now however in sixteen ninety the hoary cloister is only a battered and weather-beaten fragment it is almost covered by the branches of the trees that planted right against the walls have spread their limbs like creepers over the mossy ruins as though endeavouring to protect the venerable pile and here sitting on a huge slab that has fallen from the broken arch above is a small boy of ten his name is ebenezer erskine he is the son of the minister of churnside like his father he was born here at dryberg and today the two are revisiting the neighborhood round which so many memories cluster. This morning the father, the Reverend Henry Erskine, has been catechizing a group of children at the Kirk. He selected the questions from the shorter catechism that relate to the Ten Commandments, and the very first of the answers that his father then taught him has made a profound impression on Ebenezer's mind. The forty-third question runs, What is the preface to the Ten Commandments? the answer is the preface to the ten commandments is in these words i am the lord thy god which have brought thee out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage other questions follow and they with their attendant answers have been duly memorized but they have failed to hold his thought this one however refuses to be shaken off he has quite involuntarily repeated it to himself a hundred times as he pushed his way through the heather to the mossy abbey it sounds in his ears like a charm a challenge an insistent and imperative demand i am the lord i am thy god the lord thy god it is his first realization of the fact that he is not altogether his own eighteen years have passed he is now the minister of the portmoke parish but it is a poor business i began my ministry he says without much zeal callously and mechanically being swallowed up in unbelief and in rebellion against god he feels no enthusiasm for the bible indeed the new testament positively wearies him his sermons are long and formal he learns them by heart and repeats them parrot fashion taking care to look not in the face of his people but at a certain nail in the opposite wall happily for himself and for the world he has by this time married a wife to whom the truth is no stranger for years poor mrs erskine has wept in secret over her husband's unregenerate heart and unspiritual ministry but now a terrible sickness lays her low her brain is fevered she raves in her delirium her words are wild and passionate yet they are words that smite her husband's conscience and pierce his very soul at last so runs the diary the lord was pleased to calm her spirit and give her a sweet serenity of mind this i think was the first time that ever i felt the lord touching my heart in a sensible manner her distress and her deliverance were blessed to me some weeks after she and i were sitting together in my study and while we were conversing about the things of god the Lord was pleased to rend the veil and to give me a glimmering view of salvation which made my soul acquiesce in Christ as the new and living way to glory. The old text comes back to him. I am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord thy God. Once more it sounds like a claim, and this time he yields. He makes his vow in writing. I offer myself up, soul and body, unto God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I FLEE FOR SHELTER TO THE BLOOD OF JESUS, I WILL LIVE TO HIM, I WILL DIE TO HIM, I TAKE HEAVEN AND EARTH TO WITNESS THAT ALL I AM AND ALL I HAVE ARE HIS. THUS, ON AUGUST 26, 1708, EBENEZER Erskine MAKES HIS COVENANT. THAT NIGHT, HE USED TO SAY, I GOT MY HEAD OUT OF TIME INTO ETERNITY. TEN MORE YEARS HAVE PASSED. IT IS NOW 1718. EBENEZER Erskine IS 38 filled with concern for the souls of his people at portmoke he preaches a sermon on the text that had played so great a part in bringing his own spirit out of bondage i am the lord thy god i am the lord thy god as he preaches the memory of his own experience rushes back upon him his soul catches fire he is one moment persuasive and the next peremptory no sermon that he ever preached made a greater impression on his congregation and when it was printed it proved to be the most effective and fruitful of all his publications five-and-thirty years have run their course mr erskine is now seventy-three he has passed through the fires of persecution and in the days of tumult and unrest has proven himself a leader whom the people have delighted at any cost to follow but his physical frame is exhausted an illness overtakes him which, continuing for over a year, at last proves fatal. His elders drop in from time to time to read and pray with him. Today, one of them, the senior member of the little band, is moved, in taking farewell of his dying minister, to ask a question of him. After grasping the sick man's hand and moving towards the door, a sudden impulse seizes him, and he returns to the bedside you have often given us good advice mr erskine he says as to what we should do with our souls in life and in death may i ask what you are now doing with your own i am just doing with it the old man replies what i did forty years ago i am resting it on that word i am the lord thy god now what was it i wonder that ebenezer erskine saw in that string of monosyllables as he sat on the fallen slab beside the ruined abbey in sixteen ninety as he sat conversing with his convalescent wife in seventeen o eight as he preached with such passion in seventeen eighteen and as he lay dying in seventeen fifty three what to him was the significance of that great sentence that as the catechism says forms the preface to the ten commandments Ebenezer Erskine saw underlying the words two tremendous principles. They convinced him that the center must always be greater than the circumference, and they convinced him that the positive must always be greater than the negative. The center must always be greater than the circumference, for without the center there can be no circumference. And there, in the very first word of the preface of the Ten Commandments, stands the august center which all the mandates revolve i am the lord thy god i have many times essayed luther tells us in his table talk thoroughly to investigate the ten commandments but at the very outset i am the lord thy god i stuck fast that single word i put me into a nonplus i am not surprised the man who had entered this palace of ten chambers will find god awaiting him on the threshold and he must make up his mind as to his relationship with him before he can pass on to investigate the interior of the edifice in learning his shorter catechism that sunday morning at dryberg ebenezer erskine then a boy of ten had come face to face with god and he felt that he dare not proceed to the circumference until his heart was in harmony with the centre he felt too that the positive must precede the negative the person of the most high must come before the precepts of the most high the thou shalts must come before the thou shalt nots the superstructure of a personal religion cannot be reared on a foundation of negatives life can only be constructed positively the soul cannot flourish on a principle of subtraction it can only prosper on a principle of addition it is at this point that we perpetrate one of our commonest blunders between christmas day and new year's day we invariably frame a variety of good resolutions we register a number of excellent resolves but for the most part they come to nothing and they come to nothing because they are so largely negative i will never again do such and such a thing i will never again behave in such and such a way and so on we have failed to discover the truth that gripped the soul of ebenezer erskine that day at dryberg he saw as he repeated to himself his catechism that the ten commandments consist of three parts one the preface i am the lord thy god two the precepts thou shalt three the prohibitions thou shalt not our new year's resolutions assume that we should put third things first we are wrong ebenezer erskine saw we must put the person before the precepts and the precepts before the prohibitions the centre must come before the circumference the positive before the negative when at the end of december we pledge ourselves so desperately to do certain things no more we entirely forget that our worst offences do not consist in outraging the thou shalt nots our worst offences consist in violating the thou shalts the revolt of the soul against the divine prohibitions is as nothing compared to the revolt of the soul against the divine precepts, just as the revolt of the soul against the divine precepts is as nothing compared to the revolt of the soul against the divine person. It is by a flash of real spiritual insight that, in the general confession in the Church of England Prayer Book, the clause, We have left undone those things which we ought to have done precedes the clause, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. In his Ecce Homo, Sir John Seeley has pointed out the radical difference between the villains of the parables and the villains that figure in all our literature. In the typical novel, the villain is a man who does what he ought not to do. In the tales that Jesus told, the villain is a man who leaves undone what he ought to have done. The sinner whom Christ denounces, says Sir John, is he who has done nothing the priest and the levite who passed by on the other side the rich man who allowed the beggar to lie unhelped at his gate the servant who hid in a napkin the talent entrusted to him the unprofitable hireling who did only what it was his duty to do christ's villains are the men who sin against the person and the precepts of the most high he scarcely notices the men who violate the prohibitions YET IT IS OF THE PROHIBITIONS THAT, WHEN NEW YEAR'S COMES, WE THINK SO MUCH. AT VESPER TIDE, ONE VIRTUOUS AND PURE IN HEART DID PRAY, SINCE NONE I WRONGED IN DEED OR WORD to day. FROM WHOM SHALL I CRAVE PARDON, MASTER SAY. A VOICE REPLIED, FROM THE SAD CHILD WHOSE JOY THOU HAST NOT PLANNED, THE GOATED BEAST WHOSE FRIEND THOU DIDST NOT STAND the rose that died for water from thy hand during a ministry of nearly thirty years it has been my privilege and duty to deal with men and women of all kinds and conditions i have attended hundreds of deathbeds. in reviewing those experiences today, i cannot remember a single case of a man who found it difficult to believe that god could forgive those things that he ought not to have done and had done and i cannot recall a single case of a man who found it easy to believe that god could forgive those things that he ought to have done but had left undone it is our sin against the divine precepts that sting most venomously at the last the sad sad child whose joy thou hast not planned the goaded beast whose friend thou didst not stand the rose that died for water from thy hand ebenezer erskine saw that day at Breiberg that he must recognize the inspired order he must bow first of all to the authority of the divine person he must recognize the obligations involved in the divine precepts and after this he must eschew those things that are forbidden by the divine prohibitions that order he never forgot George Macdonald tells us how, when the Marquis of Lossie was dying, he sent post haste for Mr. Graham, a devoted schoolmaster. Mr. Graham knew his man and went cautiously to work. Are you satisfied with yourself, my lord? No, by God. Would you like to be better? Yes, but how is a poor devil to get out of this infernal scrape? Keep the commandments. That's it, of course, but there's no time. If there were but time to draw another breath, there would be time to begin. How am I to begin? Which am I to begin with? There is one commandment which includes all the rest. Which is that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. What did the schoolmaster mean? He meant that the person must precede the precepts, and the precepts must precede the prohibitions he was insisting on the divine order that was all and i feel confident that that was the burden of that powerful sermon that ebenezer erskine preached to his people at Portmoke in seventeen eighteen his last illness as i have said continued for twelve months it was in its early stages that the old elder asked his question and received his minister's testimony concerning the text a year later mr erskine referred to the words again on the morning of the first of june he awoke from a brief sleep and seeing his daughter mrs fisher sitting reading by his bedside he asked her the name of the book i am reading one of your sermons father which one the one on i am the lord thy god ah lass he exclaimed his face lighting up as a wave of sacred memory swept over him that is the best sermon i ever preached a few minutes later he closed his eyes slipped his hand under his cheek composed himself on his pillow and ceased to breathe the noble spirit of ebenezer erskine was with god ebenezer erskine reminds me of his great predecessor samuel rutherford when rutherford was staying for a while at the house of james guthrie the maid was surprised at hearing a voice in his room she had supposed he was alone moved by curiosity she crept to his door she then discovered that rutherford was in prayer he walked up and down the room exclaiming o lord make me to believe in thee then after a pause he moved to and fro again crying o lord make me to love thee and after a second rest he rose again praying o lord make me to keep all thy commandments rutherford like erskine a generation later had grasped the spiritual significance of the divine order make me to believe in thee the commandment that as the schoolmaster told the marquis includes all the commandments make me to love thee for love as jesus told the rich young ruler is the fulfilment of the whole law make me to obey all thy commandments the man who learns the ten commandments at the school of samuel rutherford or at the school of ebenezer erskine will see a shining path that runs from mount sinai right up to the cross and on through the gates of pearl into the city of god chapter five